Let us pray. God of our lives, God of all life, open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to receive your word once more. Amen. We sometimes celebrate Epiphany, the Sunday right after Christmas, and we sometimes wait a week because Epiphany falls on the 6th, which means it never falls on a specific Sunday. So this year, we'll be observing New Year's Day today, and next week, we'll celebrate Epiphany, and we'll have a lunch afterwards. But today, our passage is Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. There's a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens. A time for giving birth and a time for dying. A time for planting and a time for uprooting what was planted. A time for killing and a time for healing. A time for tearing down and a time for building up. A time for crying and a time for laughing, a time for mourning, a time for dancing, a time for throwing stones, and a time for gathering stones up, a time for embracing, and a time for avoiding embraces, a time for searching, and a time for losing, a time for keeping, and a time for throwing away time for tearing, and a time for repairing, a time for keeping silent, and a time for speaking, a time for loving, and a time for hating, a time for war, and a time for peace. What do workers gain from all their hard work? I have observed the tasks that God has given human beings. God has made everything fitting in its time, but has also placed eternity in their hearts without enabling them to discover what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for them but to enjoy themselves and do what's good while they live. Moreover, this is the gift of God, that all people should eat and drink and enjoy the results of their hard work. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In college, I took a class on wisdom literature in the Bible at the same time that I took Philosophy 101. And I had just learned about nihilism in philosophy when we got to Ecclesiastes and wisdom literature. And it clicked. Oh, this is nihilism. Right here in the Bible. Which isn't quite right. But also isn't totally wrong. This is by far the book that wrestles most explicitly the questions of existentialism. The refrain of Ecclesiastes is vanity, vanity, all is vanity. 
which is sometimes rendered meaningless. Meaningless. All is meaningless. Which might feel depressing or freeing, depending on where you are right now. However it hits you, it's definitely a change of pace from the rest of Scripture. Clues in the text lead us to believe that Ecclesiastes was written by a highly respected teacher around the 3rd century BCE, before Christ. A teacher like that, in that time, would have had the best and the brightest students who come from powerful families who believe they could do anything, even change the world. And the first thing the great wisdom teacher tells them is that it's all meaningless. And that they are not in control. They can't control their future. They can't control their world. And if they spend their time trying, they are wasting their lives. We are not elite students in the third century BCE. But I can still relate to these feelings. I relate to that desire for control and the belief that if I do it just right, then it will be better. Maybe you can relate to that too. If we do it just right, then the class, the meeting, the surgery will go better and will avoid pain and suffering. Of course, we know that doesn't actually work. We can't control our lives. And when we make those plans and try to manage things, and life doesn't work out the way we'd hoped, when things fall apart, when we get divorced or fired, or don't come back from an illness like we'd hoped to, we're left with that nagging sense of self-blame. If I'd done it right, it wouldn't be this bad. Ecclesiastes speaks into that shame. It says the illusion of control is just that, an illusion. It's vanity, meaningless. The teacher invites us to give that up and instead discover that there is a rhythm to life. A rhythm that we don't make and can't control. There are seasons and times for this and for that. But we don't make them happen through our willpower. They are like the tide. They ebb and they flow. There's a time for laughter and weeping, for mourning and dancing, for planting and reaping and tearing and repairing. You can't control what time it is, but you can live within it. Which sounds lovely, but I have some objections. For one, shouldn't it always be time for peace? 
And I'd like it to always be time for laughter. And as an extrovert who's comfortable with physical touch, I think it is always time for embracing. And as I think we've discussed, I am not a great gardener. So for me, it is never time for planting. Or it might be time for planting, but then it's never time for watering, which is the real problem. Some of those are silly objections. Even extroverts don't want hugs all the time. And of course, we can't laugh all the time and never cry. But even though it's immature, I still wish the world worked that way. And the desire for peace feels eternal to me. There are a million arguments I want to have with this poem. What's the role for human agency? We can't just give up and say, oh, it's time for this or for that. How do we live if we don't have power to change anything? We're supposed to just make do. God can't save us from some of this. We can't save ourselves. But the teacher says, in spite of our objections, the rhythm is there, like the tide. And we know there is so much we can't control. And perhaps leaning into that is the first step to relying on grace. So what if we do that? Lean into giving up the illusion of control. What if we lean into this rhythm? Instead of trying to shape the world to fit our desires, what if we just notice and try to live in the season we're in? Find the grace that's there. Is it time to mourn? Then don't let anyone rush you. Is it time to dance? Then don't let anyone stop you. Is it time to hold your silence? Then hold it. Is it time to speak? Then shout loud and proud. Is it time to laugh or to cry? There is space for both. Is it a time to hold your peace or lean into conflict? Both take courage. We are meant to move back and forth with the ebb and the flow. The task, if there is one, isn't to change the season. It's to give up the illusion of control and learn to rely on a power greater than ourselves. So, if it's time to give birth, you need good people around you, and you might ought to clear your calendar. If it's time for throwing away, you'll need an open heart and a lot of trash bags. Like the seasons, we don't get to pick what time we're in. We don't get to decide if it's going to be bitterly cold over Christmas. But we can know 
that cold will yield to warmth, and the trees that are bare will leaf out once again. The movement of the seasons creates a wholeness that is good and true. But even so, there are still some of these that are troubling. Is there ever a time for killing? It says, no, right there in the commandments, thou shalt not. We have the freedom, I believe, with all of these, to take them literally or spiritually, or some mix of the two. A time of planting can be about actual gardening, or it could be about nourishing new life in all sorts of ways. In the same way, killing could be about taking life, or it could be about killing those voices and scripts and beliefs in our heads that drive us to judgmentalism or perfectionism or shame. Things that separate us from God, from each other, from ourselves. Sometimes those spirits need to be banished, exercised, killed. Sometimes the wound needs to be healed. It all depends on what time it is. War and peace are the same to my mind. They can be taken literally, or we might take them spiritually. Times when we are at war with ourselves, or in conflict with those around us. To squash that conflict would be false. We have to move through it. To everything there's a season. And a time for everything under the sun. We don't get to choose. We can't control it. Which is heartbreaking. And infuriating. And freeing. Because when it's awful... It's not our fault. And when it's hard, we're not doing it wrong. And like the tide, it's guaranteed to change. So I wonder, what season are you in? The new year is an arbitrary mark in time, but it's still a good reflection point. What season are you in? Is it changing or holding steady? Is it time for mourning or dancing or rebuilding or tearing down, beginning or ending conflict or peace? What season are you in? What time is it as the new year turns over? We don't get to choose, but by grace, we might become aware of it and learn to lean on God throughout. What time is it? What season?